But today we have our special guests, Brian and Carrie Kajewski. How are you guys doing today? Good. Very good. Thanks for having us on. Oh, we're so excited to have you guys. And what's fun, you guys, is Brian and Carrie are brother and sister. So I'm really, really excited to have them be on here today. Carrie, can you tell us a little about, about where you guys are from and a little about growing up and a little bit about your family and all that fun stuff? Sure. So um, uh, we are here in Ontario, Canada, which it is cold here too. Very Aww. cold. And I don't know. I believe there's some snow on the way. Uh, <laughs> But that's okay, because this is the time of year for that, so I don't mind. Um, so yeah, so we grew up here um, in sort of southwestern Ontario, um, between London and Toronto. And uh, I am three years older, and so I was born in uh, 84. And we had two siblings um, already, a brother and a sister who could see. But then, uh, surprise, surprise, I came along and... and uh, <laughs> sort of snuck up on my parents when they found out I was blind. So um, it was a diagnosis of Lieber's congenital amaurosis, LCA. Uh, and then three years later, Brian came along. So yeah. <laughs> and Brian, now that you've come along, do you want to tell us a little <laughs> bit? <about it? laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> so I was born, yet, as Carrie said, three years later in, in 87. And at that point, you know, Throughout, throughout her whole childhood, I guess, Carrie being three years older, she was kind of the, the guinea pig, if you want to call it that. I mean, my parents were, had already had the blind, the blind child and they knew uh, based on the genetic uh, condition that it was a, at that point, it was a 50% chance that it could happen. And again, so we have, you know, two, an older brother and sister who are both sighted and then Carrie and I who both have this, this syndrome. So yeah, we grew up uh, out in the country, which was really nice and had a nice big uh, yard and just a uh, it was really great, really great childhood, happy family, very close family. Um, Carrie and I have a very special bond because of our, our blindness and, and, and being only three years apart. But uh, our older brother and sister were only five years older than me and seven years older than me. So we were all pretty close in age and just a, just a super close family growing up. That is awesome. That is really, really awesome. So growing up, I'm going to stay with you for a second, Brian. You just developed a love of audio. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so this is going to come up probably quite a bit throughout this episode because yes. it, it continues on to today, obviously. But yes, we're yeah, building your young... story. <laughs> right. We got to start the building block somewhere. Here, so. <laughs> so yeah, I was always always fascinated by by audio and back in the, in the early 90s um, had tape recorders and those Walkmans that would record as well onto cassette. So yeah. that was a big thing growing up. Um, more for me than Carrie, although she did, uh, you know, she was around it. So she, and she helped out a couple times. Uh, we'll get to it maybe in a bit, but we both also have um, uh, kidney disease. So we both, we both had transplants as well. And like during that, she, uh, she taped for me, taped my whole experience for me and made, I think it's nine 90 minute tapes. And I still have most of these tapes kicking around. So um, ton, tons of, I mean, I kind of stopped really recording when I got, I think pretty much near the end of when I was in high school, I think I th didn't think it was that cool to be recording as much. So I kind of cut back. Um, but, uh, yeah, throughout, throughout childhood, just doing a ton of audio recording, um, sounds, but more so for memories and stuff was the big part. And, uh, and then that also led to my passion for music, which out of everything is still my, my true real passion. Um, yeah, I've just always been a huge fan of music. And I just, 
want to talk briefly. Um, so I started playing guitar as a kid. My brother also played. He hasn't, he never really kept it up. He was, you know, kind of played for a year or two and sort of moved on, but I stuck with it. And I started when I was about eight or nine years old. And around that same time, um, as a kid, I was a big, I was a big fan of REM and U2 were my two favorite bands, but my brother, my brother introduced, yeah, for sure. They were a great influence on me and I still have, um, especially REM. I still have a definitely, definitely a connection to, um, but I just wanted to say, like, when I was about 10 years old, my brother, I mean, before that, he loved Nirvana. And I was a huge Nirvana fan, too. But in about 1997, when I was 10 years old, he started telling me about these bands that his friend introduced him to that were kind of independent bands on smaller labels, underground bands, sort of a niche audience. So he told me about this band called Polvo. And he had taped their CD off of a friend on a cassette. And I remember hearing it at 10 years old. I mean, super young to be hearing such experimental sort of underground music and it really blew me away um and from there he introduced me to you know tons of bands uh tortoise or favorite band thinking fellers union local 282 so so many crazy bands that you know most people haven't heard of but they do have a very big sort of hardcore following and from there that love just continued and even to this day i'm obsessed like this year alone i have a playlist in uh my apple music from 2020 i have 6,000 new songs from this year nice Um, so many albums and music enthusiast (laughs) absolutely yeah so it's just been such a such a thing throughout my life and it's uh it really keeps me going and keeps me excited about life to know that there's so much great music still to this day like just you can't even consume it all now it's like unbelievable whereas back in the day my brother would go off to toronto for a day because you couldn't find the cds anywhere else but the big city and he'd go to the record store would come back with 12 cds after being gone for 12 hours you know yeah. Sometimes, he wouldn't even, sometimes he wouldn't even tell my parents. He'd just be like, yeah, I'm going to a friend's. And then he'd come back from Toronto and we'd sit in, my, in our bedroom that we shared. We'd, we actually both shared. Carrie shared a room with our sister, Kim. And then I shared one with my brother, Paul. And he would come home and I'd check out all the 12 or however many hundreds of dollars he spent on CDs. <laughs> nice. And uh, it's such fun memories. So I just wanted to mention that. That's awesome. So because you were talked about earlier about how you guys have such a good bond. Carrie you are more of the writer. Can you talk about how you guys kind of walked with through that? So I know you do lyrics. Yeah, well, um, basically we were very creative kids. My brother was an, is an artist and now he's a photographer and my sister is very creative and artistic. Um, and so I was actually, I started out in, in visual art. I used to, ha- it was low vision, whereas Brian was always just light perception for his whole life. Um, but I used to have more sight. So I used to love to color and draw and colors. I love them. Um, and then I, right around the time we both were in kidney failure, uh, sort of, you know, around puberty, I lost a lot of my vision. Um, I lost one of my, my, I lost my left eye. So it's artificial. So I, um, I lost the ability to see color. So I sort of moved into writing after that as I needed something creatively, an outlet. And so I did that. So but it, I always went back to it with Brian, like Brian said, like I was always, we used to have, you know, both creative, we'd both come up with a lot of games and, and now we love doing stuff with audio. So it's sort of transferred itself. And I have started writing lyrics to his music. So it's a great, we're a great team in that way, I think. That is awesome. So I'm gonna transition just for like, going into this building blocks here. So tell us about, I've been waiting to ask this question, you guys in the audience, tell us about ketchup and pancakes yeah carry <laughs> well it gets a, it, it gets a reaction uh it's actually it, it was something we had growing up um I, our father's mother 
she was our Oma. She, uh, it was a family recipe from, I don't know even where it came. I should have asked her more about the origins, but you know, it was a European thing. Uh, I don't know. So the pancakes are more like um, flat crepes. They're saltier with made, made with egg and flour. So they're not the kind of thing you would eat syrup on necessarily. So if you want to picture that. Um, <laughs> so ketchup was the, was what we ate on them. And so I had this idea to do a podcast uh, about five years ago, I guess. And I knew Brian was, you know, the audio engineer. And so I thought I had that side covered. Um, and I was trying to come up with a good idea for a podcast. And I wanted to do one that sort of demonstrated our sibling bond. Um, and it was just first one we did on our own. And we, we made them in his apartment and everything. And we weren't sure who the audience would be. So we went with that at first because I thought the title would be interesting to people, get their attention, maybe gross them out a little. But <laughs> they might want to tune in and listen. It's not a cooking podcast, but it was based on three main themes, uh, family, humor, and creativity. So we, we, you know, it was a Brian's music. We, we did episodes on that. We did episodes where we would turn one, my, my little stories into audio audio story. Um, and then we would use the old tapes Brian had of old memories. And uh, so we called that cassette clip of the week. So we, we had that to go in there for, for a while. Um, and we would just release them, not on a regular schedule, but uh, it was fun. Yeah, it was more like cassette clip of the month or cassette clip <laughs> of the year or something because we didn't do them as much as we had hoped. But. That is yeah. awesome. That was so great. So what did that, that's kind of led us into, you know, your advocacy, which you guys are so very much into. Can you tell us um, a little bit about that? How that kind of the pancakes, the, the ketchup and pancakes transformed to what you're doing now? Yeah, so... It's called ketchup. Or ketchup. Screwing up <laughs> words here. I'm thinking pancakes. Um, so yeah. So uh, so ketchup on pancakes. Um, you can still find it online, although we kind of rebranded because. Yeah. Um, well, for one, it was just we weren't doing them as regularly as we wanted, and then, so I guess I'm kind of trying to sort of remember, but pretty much in, it's just to go back a little bit to my love for music. Um, I started a. Finally started a music radio show. I've been meaning to do it for years, and finally I turned thirty. I was like, and I'd finished, just finished music industry arts at that point. The the course. MIA. Oh, sorry. I, I blew the, uh, well, you can ask about it again, and I'll. Okay, well, it's okay. I'll, uh, I'll make the joke. Um, but um, yeah. So I graduated from MIA, and uh, I wanted to do this music radio show forever. You know, to really expose people to this you know, unique sort of experimental music, really promote local bands and stuff that I found interesting that just wasn't being played enough. So I went to the university station, started a music show there in 2017, and it was really a dream come true. It was such an amazing experience. And about, I guess, soon after I started, we had a, they had a, they hired a very great program director. Um, and she, at one point, I, you know, she was really friendly. She'd come meet me at the bus sometimes to walk up to the station, just, just such a great person. And at one point, I eventually told her I had a po podcast called Ketchup on Pancakes. And like most people, she was like, oh, really? Like, you know, caught her off by surprise. And she said, I want to check that out. So she she checked some out. And then she I got a text from her. And she's like, I don't know if this is a crazy idea, but we'd be, uh, would you be interested in airing Ketchup on Pancakes on the station? And I thought, you know, that would be cool. It was a little hard to understand because it was something we dealt with with our podcast, where it's it's a very personal podcast because it it has a lot of inside kind of jokes and stuff, but we also want to try to get listeners. So it's hard to balance that. Right. Um, and they would have had to maybe do a bit of editing for the air because they have promos every half hour, you know, a few different things, whereas a podcast is very 
open-ended and in our case we didn't even have a set time limit really some some of them were two hours some of them were 45 minutes so it we we kind of got one edited for the air and um it never really turned out because around that point um we'll speak more about this but that's when we kind of started getting into advocacy near the end of 2017 um with a friend a good friend of ours for 20 years introducing us to an organization here in canada we hadn't heard of called the canadian federation of the blind and with this new interest in blindness and really starting to connect again with the blind community. Uh, both of us were integrated um, in the public school system growing up. So we had a couple blind friends, but we weren't really too connected with that. So this really brought us back in and really got us into advocacy. And then when, uh, when Pam, the, the program director at the time, suggested this podcast, I kind of thought maybe we should, I think it was me who made that decision. I can't remember if it was me or yeah. Carrie that suggested. Um, but I think I just thought, you know, now that we're getting into this advocacy thing, maybe something a very a little bit more specific. Ketchup on pancakes was a little bit more open ended, which, you know, sometimes I wish we did have that on the air. But uh, at the same time, I thought this stuff is really important. It's something that needs to be talked about. Disability, blindness, and all disabilities aren't talked about enough in the media. So we thought this would be a perfect time to to maybe start doing that. So I suggested that, and um, at the time, the program director said, "Yeah, that would be great." So we started going into the studio every Monday morning for a half hour and doing that, doing the show that we uh, called Outlook. And we've been doing it to this day. It's been, we're coming up on our hundredth episode. So pretty That's amazing. Incredible. That is awesome. So dream come true and just growing from something that you guys were playing with. And that's one thing, you know, I think in advocacy and, and doing even things with here at, at AFB is really getting yourself out there, right? And, and doing things like you started with a cassette and then you moved into these different areas and with you guys doing that. Carrie, what was that like to be able to do that show for you? Do you, do you do writing for it? Yeah, so um, I usually come up with the theme or the idea um, and then I will usually write out the outline if nothing else. But we well, usually sure just, was into Legos, but Colin we would them, write about, we would talk about what was in the news. A lot of blindness issues that would come up. I would read books and we would sort of talk about them, review them. And uh, yeah, but it was just fun being on the air with Brian and it, it's a different challenge. Ketchup on pancakes, we were able to edit that and make it sound perfect. Um, and uh, Outlook, we were just there on the air. Um, you had to say, you know, stick with what what you what came out of your mouth and in 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 moment, you know. So yeah, it, it forced us to be on our toes and to think on our toes. And um, but it was just nice. We got a lot of media attention really quickly. The station hadn't heard a show kind of like that, and so there was the news sort of reached out that first winter and contacted the station and interviewed us. So we got some good exposure and stuff. But it was just good because we didn't feel like there was enough the blindness community here in Canada, we're such a big country, it's so spread out. And so yeah, we were finally meeting new other new people in that in that community. And, and we wanted to, um, you know, help sighted people and blind people realize the possibilities that are out there, while discovering them ourselves. I love how you pointed on that, Carrie, when you when you think of advocacy, what do you I love, even prior to the show, when we were talking about how you both inclusion is for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, sighted, non-sighted, every disability, because that's really what inclusion is for us all to be together. Do you, when you came into really finding that organization and meeting more people that were blind, did you pull a lot of ideas from the stories you've heard into what you guys talk about? Oh yeah, I mean, 
Um, all we had here really growing up that we knew of was the CNIB, which I don't know if people in the US have really heard of, I guess maybe, um, Canadian National Institute for the Blind. Yes. And um, they were help growing up, um, but less and less over the years as we became adults and we hadn't really gotten into advocacy. My, my mom and our parents did a lot of it. They had to do a lot of it to get us the, you know, the resources we had growing up, but Right. Um, finally, it was our turn, and we just felt like we were old enough now that it mattered what, what would that we wanted to make things better for ourselves. I wanted to make things better for Brian, and, and vice versa, I guess. And but we wanted to do it for others. And so as soon as we started meeting a lot of others, yeah, I mean, I got to see some of the isolation and some of the lack of resources that have sort of come over with you know budget cuts and things over the years. This happens, and and everybody's so scattered. But this was a way to sort of bring it all back to um, a main focus and sort of. You know. No, I love it. That's that's great, Brian. What did you kind of get out of, um, and what did you get out of that? And then where do you kind of see your all's um, show moving, or or your career for that matter? Where would you want to see that going? Yeah. So in twenty, uh, so we got into the CFB, the Canadian Federation of the Blind, in twenty seventeen, and they were mainly out west in Canada. And like Carrie said, they weren't kind of touched on. I mean, they weren't really that widespread. They weren't really talked about even still to this day. They're pretty small. We're a pretty small organization. Um, and we're trying to grow. We're trying to get more blind people involved. Um, but we pretty much model a lot of things off, off of the NFB in the States. And in 2018, um, we went to our first ever NFB convention in Orlando. And that that was right before we started Outlook. And that probably also spurred my my, you know, eagerness to do that talk show because going to that convention really was a, a pivotal moment in my life. Just like I said, growing up and having, we used to go to some, like a small camp, summer camp in the Woodstock, the town we grew up near uh, with blind people as a kid, but we didn't really have that connection. So going to a place where there were 3000 blind people in a hotel with all these careers and all of this going on was just, it's hard. You can't ex put it in words. You really have to be there. And that, that really spurred it on the same year. We, well, before that we went to the Canadian Federation of the Blind in, in BC and there was what? you know, 50 people there. And then yeah. two months later, we ended up going to Orlando for to 3000 people. So it was just a, such a, such a crazy year in 2018 and really spurred that all on. And it just, you know, even to this day, advocacy is, is, is tiring and it's hard to be on all the time. Um, but it's getting a bit older too. I think it's become more important than the fact that when you're younger, you want to have that fun time and you really want to focus on yourself. Whereas you get to a point and you start to think about these bigger issues. Um, and I think, I think our show has, has definitely come a long way. It, um, when it was just us in the studio, it was nice, but we didn't have as many guests on because you either had to have someone in the studio with you or they had to be available Monday morning at 11. Um, it was just, I mean, you could have done pre-records then, but we didn't, we weren't as enthusiastic. Whereas this year with one of the, some of the silver lining that comes from the pandemic, I guess, is uh, been able to do these shows virtually pre-recorded from home and sent to the station. So it's allowed us to really connect with more guests. And I think yeah. this year, I don't even know how many, but we've, we've had over a dozen guests this year. So it's been oh, yeah. really great. And we plan to have many more in the future. So. That is awesome. No, I definitely agree with you that, that in the silver lining of the situation, we've been able to connect so more, more broadly. And I think that really showcases our abilities as blind individuals to of our abilities to what we can do. And I think that puts us sort of front and center. Um, this is, I can't believe this, we are already at our time for the question answer part, and I'm sure we have a lot of our guests, but I want to thank you guys so much um, 
for being here and talking us out with me. This has been a lot of fun. And yes, he stole my joke, you guys, because he was telling about his program and it's his MIA and I said he was missing in action. But he swore to me he only missed a couple classes. So. <laughs> yeah, only a few. Only a few. <laughs> All right, Liz, I'm going to hand it over to you for the question and answer part. Yes, and we do have a few questions that come in. Um, Brian, you touched on this a little bit, but someone did ask about um, living in this COVID-19 world. Has it changed the format of your show? Yeah, I would say, again, it's it's just it's the fact that we've had more guests because, well, for one, it's just we we did have a couple of um, live um, guests on the air when we did the show, but I never really I mean, I had already learned the station at that point doing the music show. So I knew how to work the console there and, the you know, all, all that the microphones and all that stuff, but never really mastered the phone system. So this has really allowed us um, just being home and then a lot of more people being around, too, and not as busy to just get to just get so many more guests. So. I would say that changed the format. Plus, when they were programming everything remotely, things had to be a bit more exact. So around that time, we were doing a half hour one week and an hour the next week. And that got too confusing. So they said, pick Take a one. choice. Do you want a half hour <laughs> or an hour? And we weren't sure because when it's just the two of us, it depends on the week. But sometimes it can be a little tricky yeah. to always fill that. But with you have guests, I mean, I don't like interviews generally that are too short because you barely get to know someone. So I thought... Let's just try it. Let's just go for the hour. So that's another thing that changed. Our format became a full hour and having a bit more time, I guess, and just, you know, nothing else to do. I finally got it up as a podcast. So Outlook on Radio Western is on all podcast services now. And that's another development that, that happened. Awesome. It's great. Exciting. Um, a general question about your goals for the show, what do you want your listeners to get out of your show? Um, I think it's just to hear me and Brian running our, our own radio show. Um, Brian talks about that part of it. So anybody who might be interested in radio, um, you know, if they hear it, they might realize what, what options are out there for them. So it just sort of we're trying to get listeners, but hopefully our listeners, it, it broadens their horizons, whether you're blind or you're sighted, about what you might, what your options might be, and also what, and for sighted people, what blind people can do. So um, it's just, I think it's been good that way. Um, trying to get our message out there, but at the same time, we like to have some humor, and so we like to talk, tackle serious subjects and some lighter stuff, and yeah, so I don't know That's if you have any to Brian, but. Yeah, I'm not too sure. Well, and a follow-up question here. Um, since a lot of advocacy is educating the general public, do you have any tips on reaching non-disabled people? A good question. Yeah, I guess um, I'll probably get Carrie to take this in a minute because, um, but I think I think the big part of our show is to really, really normalize blindness and, you know, we say at the beginning of the show, it's inspired by the Canadian Federation of the Blind. We talk about our guests being blind and um, I mean, we've had sighted guests on too, but um, it's trying to really normalize it and not, not always focus on it. You know, we have someone who's blind on the show. We don't automatically talk about their blindness. We, you know, talk about them for a bit first and then maybe mention that they're blind. So it's really just trying to, to put it out there. You know, when I was going into the station, it was, it was even there, you know, just doing a music show and then outlook it, it showed my aud the audience and the, the people at the station, 
you know, that this could be done. And just in a way, that's its own advocacy, just going in and, uh, and doing the show. So as far as reaching the public, I think it's just getting out there is really the way to go. I mean, doing these, the show is a great way, but also just, I mean, maybe not right now so much with everything going on, but trying to get out into the community as much as you can, getting out, being around people as much as you can, you know, Carrie could talk briefly about it. People would probably find it interesting. She traveled to Mexico all by herself, like just eventually getting to a point in life where it's like, okay, let's just go for it and figure it out as I go. Instead of worrying, sitting there thinking about all the things that could go wrong. Cause generally none of that ended up happening anyway. So just trying to stay positive and just push, push forward and just go for it. Yeah. I, I know I'm a worrier. Like I, I sit and think of all the things that could go wrong with something. And so I've started learning in the last five, 10 years just to, um, that there's going to be fear. There's always fear. Like I have fear all the time. Uh, but having Brian in my life has helped. I admit that, but also just reaching out to people and yeah, not being so shy and afraid and, and being so worried about what people will think of me because they're not going to think anything more if I don't get out there and, and just live my life and show them that things can be done if you, if you want them to be. Yeah. I mean, we've been talking like crazy here, but we're generally kind of shy people. <laughs> Less and less. <laughs> yeah, less and less. But. <laughs> I love it. And one, I think we have time for one more question here. Um, this is a good one from the personal angle. What was it like growing up with a visual impairment with sighted siblings? Yeah, I mean, it, it was great. Like we had two boys and two girls in our family. So it was very even, uh, two, blind, <laughs> two blind, two sighted. And uh, I think just as close as we all were, luckily, um, we just, we were, we lived like any other family and we were siblings like any others. And we had our fights and our, and our, our, you know, connection and what made us different and what made us a family. And, and so I think us have them having us in the family, I think was good. It taught them, um, inclusion and, and about diversity early on. Um, and us having them, uh, it's always nice to have siblings who can drive eventually. So. <laughs> and they develop, they develop some skills like our, our brother. I mean, He's very, very good at describing movies. Better than better than a lot of the audio description that's yeah. already on the movies. So he should be hired. Like that. <laughs> yeah. If he didn't have another job already, he <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. I do. Do we? So I um, just to piggyback on that. Do we have one more question? Any more questions, Liz? I had a question of thought. Not seeing any in the chat right now, so I think go ahead. So when you were like in growing up in school, because we have about two minutes left and we touched on this a little bit briefly, but when it come, came to advocating for yourself as in, was being an inclusive classroom, how was that? Um, did you feel like you had the same advantages as, cited, as your sighted peers? Yeah, I think that was great. Um, it was a struggle at times, like just, but that was more, that was more when the kidney failure got involved, right? Like as far as blindness, uh, Brian and I, I think we really did thrive, whereas I know not all children do, um, but we had great, um, you know, we had a braille teacher and a teacher of the visually impaired and a, and a, you know, classroom assistant. So we had a lot of support and our parents were always supportive and yeah, it was a great experience, I think. I think it built character in us, that's good. And it taught us about that there is a world I mean, if you grow up in a, guy, a, a school for the blind, it's a little harder to go out into the world after that. Um, 
with mostly sighted people. So I think it just, it was good. Good. Thank you for that. Thanks for sharing. Well, you guys, if if anyone, if um, we are had our close, but I wanted to ask Brian and Carrie, if people wanted to turn it, tune into your show or maybe, um, you know, want to offer topics or reach you, how could they do that? Yeah, so they can they can email us anytime at Outlook on Radio Western at gmail.com. So that's Outlook on Radio Western at gmail.com. And you can also, so yeah, email anytime if you have any feedback, any questions, if you're interested in being on the show, if you know of any, anyone that would be, would be on, on the show. So you can always okay. reach us on that email. And we're also available on all podcast services at Outlook on Radio Western as well. So it's very easy to, to find us, to find us there. So, and we're awesome. on Monday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern time, Standard Time live on RadioWestern.ca. So. Awesome. And Carrie, you write a blog. Where can we find that? So that's... <laughs> That's at KK for Carrie Kajewski, her headache. <laughs> so I've had, I've had chronic pain for many years. And so Carrie loves pain. technology. Okay. And I, yeah. Technology is giving, gives me headaches. It's, it's a beautiful, painful thing in my life. And that's what life, <laughs> I think that's what life in general is a beautiful, painful thing. <laughs> so yeah, I started my blog when I turned 30 and um, I use it to, to sort of demonstrate my writing and, um, but yeah, anybody could check that out. So it's kkherheadache.wordpress.com. Thank you guys so much. I've really enjoyed our time together. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it yeah, it was a lot be. of fun. <laughs> I'm glad.